going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the opportunity to talk to Jordan Fletcher over Zoom video. Jordan was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, and he talks about how he got into music, started playing drums at a very early age, started around six years old, did that through middle school, high school, was in the marching band and drum line. Around 15, he picked up the guitar and was way into like Jack Johnson. So he was trying to learn some of the Jack Johnson songs, but didn't really stick with it as far as songwriting went. He didn't really pick up songwriting until he attended college. While in college, he had a couple friends that were songwriters and he reached out and was like, hey, can you kind of help me write some songs? That led to them writing about five songs together and Jordan deciding, you know what? College ain't for me. I'm moving to Nashville. So he ends up moving to Nashville. He starts off by just trying to get some gigs in local bars, attending writer's rounds, and eventually lands a publishing deal. So he talks to us about that. Putting a song up on his Instagram, being contacted by The Highway, SiriusXM, and then asking him like, hey, like, yeah, are you signed? You have a manager? What's the deal with this song? Song ends up landing him a new publishing deal. And a record deal. So we hear all about that experience with his song called Rather Be Broke. Writing and releasing his first EP, True Stories. And all about his new record, which is also autobiographical. Much like True Stories, his record is the story of his life. And he tells it as he recently had a son. His son wants to find out anything about him. He just hands him the album and goes, here, here's my story, which I love. You can watch our interview with Jordan on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be great if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Jordan Fletcher. What's up, man? Hey, Jordan, how are you? Doing great, man. How you doing? I'm doing, doing well. I appreciate you doing this. Dude, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me, man. How's my, is the lighting and, and sound good? Yeah, it looks great. Cool, cool. Yeah, I love I the was car gonna... seat mirror you have back there. I had one of those with my kids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I was going to do it uh, outside because it was kind of nice this morning, but it just, the rain came down. And so it was either in the truck or with the baby screaming the whole time. So right on. Felt like the, well, our, the truck was the move. You, yeah, yeah. Are you in Nashville? Yeah, yeah. Old Hickory, like 15 minutes northeast. Okay, I'm in Nashville or south. Okay, cool. Yeah, south by like down by Franklin. It was snowing. Sure. Like my, I think within the last hour, was that did that happen by your house? Snowing? Like no, I got yeah. My wife texted me and she said it's snowing. And I looked out the window and I didn't see snow. So maybe it was melting, but uh, yeah, bizarre. <laughs> the, the, the world is doing its thing right now. I mean, holy smokes. The other day yeah. I like got a sunburn mowing the lawn and then, you know, right? a little casual snow, you know, <laughs> it was just, I was like, no way. I look out the window. I'm like, I don't see snow, but who knows? I've seen weird. Like things. my variety anyways. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not going to complain. <laughs> well, my name is Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about the new record. Sweet, man. Sounds great. Cool. Uh, I saw you're born and raised in Florida. Yeah, Jacksonville, Jackson. Northeast. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. Well, um, 
I lived in the same house uh, until I moved to Nashville. So, I mean, I was surrounded by family, cousins, all that, you know, big family. Uh, grew up playing music in church and I started drumming when I was like six. Mm-hmm. So, man, it was it was it was good. It was a great environment. And it, it was also kind of uh, as far as like the musical journey is concerned, it was never really on my radar. So it was always just something I did for fun, especially songwriting. I didn't get into that until college. But um, yeah, man, it was it was cool. Like 30 minutes from the beach. Uh, I mean, we were right near the, the river, the St. John's River. So we kind of got best of both worlds, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I man. saw you surfed. You're you're a surfer. Yeah, I mean, when I'm around waves, obviously. Right, right, right. Percy well, Priest yeah. Lake isn't much for surfing. <laughs> I figured as much, but yeah. So when you were growing up, though, you, you're surfing. I'm from San yeah. Diego originally, so I thought that, oh, nice. thought that was cool. I didn't yeah, surf man. though. I had friends that did, but um, right. The water was too cold for me. I was in no, yeah, the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I get that. I get that. That's one thing that the Atlantic has going for it as far as like surfing is concerned. Generally, you don't need to wear a wetsuit. Yeah, you. I, I would be in like a full wetsuit even in the summer if it was me surfing, like at least oh, in the yeah. Pacific Ocean. It was freezing. It was like 60. And my friends were like, oh, it's warm. I've got the spring suit on. I'm like, you didn't realize it's like 66 degrees out there. Right? <laughs> Dude, I remember I went, I went surfing in board shorts Christmas Day one time. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. That's crazy. And I wasn't trying to be tough. It was just like straight up like, 75 degrees, 80 <laughs> degrees. Water was like 70. I was like, no problem, dude. Let's go. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, you said you started playing drums at an early age, six years old? Yeah, six. Um, okay. Got Would my first drum kit. Oh, well, man. I don't know. I think I was always I was a pretty hyperactive kid and I was always banging on stuff. Uh, I guess. I had some propensity to, I don't know, rhythm or whatever. And I, I just like was obsessed with drums. I think it was cause it kind of had like that destructive element where you could just beat stuff as hard as you, as you could, you know? Sure. And, uh, so I begged my parents enough and they got me a drum set, um, for Christmas one year. And so wow. I just kind of, I, I kind of stuck with it and, you know, uh, band all throughout school, you know, middle school, high school, did drum line March and did all that. And then when I got to college, I was playing in some bands and like played for churches and different things like that. Um, Still as a drummer? Kinda, yeah, as a drummer. Yeah, man. Okay. I, I mean, I started, I, pl- I started playing guitar when I was probably 15. You know, I, mm-hmm. uh, my, my cousin, Rick, he was playing guitar. He got a, a cool guitar one time and he was into it and learned a bunch of songs. And like, I was really into Jack Johnson back then. Or I mean, I still am. He just came out with a killer song, by the way, which I'm, oh, I'm really? about. Yeah, yeah he just cool. going out today. But yeah, I mean, that was like the first introduction I had to like guitar was Jack Johnson and all that stuff. And so big, I'm a big Jack Johnson guy. And I was listening to that, Dave Matthews, some different stuff. Cause I was like, all oh, my cousins were older and they were into that stuff. And mm-hmm. so uh, kind of got started there with guitar, but I didn't do anything like out until really till I moved to Nashville. Okay. So you just had yeah. these, at 15 years, like trying to learn the Jack Johnson songs or whatever, or were you writing music at that point too? No, 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 <laughs> no. I wasn't writing squat. I was like, just trying to get the guitar parts and like, cause I wanted to do something. And, and, you know, it's like when you're hanging out with your buddies or your family, when it's like, you know, in like 2002 or 2003, either someone's playing like a video game, Tony Hawk or something, or you're right. kind of sitting there, you know what I mean? So it was either like, you know, go play Manhunt, go play a video game, or if nobody's doing that, play, do something else. And nobody had a drum set. So I was like, well, I better learn how to play guitar if I'm going to do something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Did you play yeah. bands like as a drummer? I mean, you said you're yeah. a drum line and marching band, but everyone needs yeah. a drummer. That's like the person that's like key to like, I'm sure right. you had like the pick of everyone. You could play with anyone. Man, I wasn't crazy. Like I wasn't band crazy. Like oh, okay. I kind of, I enjoyed playing. I, I, like I, I worked with a church like throughout college where I played every Sunday and that was kind of my gig. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I had a couple bands. Like I was in this worship group that, that kind of played around when I was in like middle school and high school and stuff. But man, I didn't get like, I had a lot of buddies who, uh, oddly enough, the guy that plays guitar for me now in Nashville, we grew up together and stuff. And he was like, he was really big and like, he had a bunch of different bands and stuff like that throughout like the beaches area and like around town. Oh, but wow. I, for, for whatever reason, I never like went crazy with that. I just kind of loved playing. And if I could, I'd go, but, uh, yeah, man, I just, I did that. So it, it was kind of that much more surprising even to me when I moved to Nashville, kind of, it seemed out of the blue, even to me, you know what I mean? Did you move? You didn't move to Nashville to attend college though. Did you? No, I dropped out of college. I was going to UNF. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. UNF, uh, University of North Florida, otherwise mm-hmm. known as you never finish. And it is true. <laughs> is that really the slogan? I don't know. I mean, the, not the slogan, but oh yeah, do people yeah, say yeah. that. That's yeah. Funny. Ask anyone. Ask any of my fellow Ospreys. They, uh, it, it takes like seven years to get a four-year degree. That's funny. Cause in For San Diego, there was, there was USD university of San Diego that people called the university of spoiled daughters. Cause it was like so expensive <laughs> to go there. <laughs> no, it was That's a good so school, funny. man. It was a good school. I just like, it wasn't my thing. I was five years in, I changed my major three times. I was just like, you know, I had a year left. So it's like, I would have been six years just to get like a, a bachelor's and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know. It felt like God was like, Hey man, go do something else. I, I don't know wh- why I moved in it. Like, to be completely honest, it was just like some weird thing to where I was like, I'm going to move from Florida, which is, I mean, that's all I did. Like we were, the school was like 15 minutes from the beach. So you go to the beach and surf and do stuff and, and get to do cool things. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave everything I do to move to Nashville because I just writing like, songs at that time. I guess I'm oh, sorry re- to cut you off, but I'm curious what would Nashville I'd written five be songs. I'd okay. written five songs. So I, I guess I just caught the bug, man. I had a, I had a good buddy, Ryan Nelson. He's a great artist in town in Nashville. And we went to high school together and he kind of, he got me started on writing songs. I was like, yo man, I don't know anything about writing songs. Like, helped me out and like him and his brother they were always in bands growing up and they just kind of like hey man come write some songs with us did that whole thing kind of coached me in and i got a few under my belt uh well what drew you was that i mean like it, uh, one day you're just like i really want to write songs or just something called to you or it was a dude it's like a bug it's like <laughs> it'll it'll catch it like you'll catch it and for me it's like my favorite thing to do you know it was mm-hmm. like something that didn't exist in my life you know, six years ago or seven years ago. It didn't, it wasn't even an existing thing in my life. That's so crazy. Uh, and then now it's my favorite thing to do. It's one of my, like the, 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 it's like the pinnacle of like personal expression and like therapy and all that stuff. It's like one of the most useful tools that I have speaking mm-hmm. the language of songwriting for whatever that's worth. I, however well that is, I mean, that's not what it's all about. It's like, I'm, you know, that's just like it as at my relationship with songwriting is just like that now, which is, which is mm-hmm. crazy. You know what I mean? I never would have seen it coming. 
Yeah. Wow. So you had five songs, your, your friends, you, well, you reached out to your friends and said, Hey, I, I want to learn how to do this better or whatever. And then you guys wrote some yeah. songs. You had a few songs under your belt and then you're like, what I I'm done with, you know, you said you just kind of had a calling to be like, I'm done here at school. I'm going to move to Nashville to pursue this. Yeah. I literally talked to everybody, like tried to get like my grandpa, my grandpa was paying for my college at the time. And I was like, we were kind of driving, we were in Georgia and we were, uh, he had this old farm and we were just kind of like driving around and he, I told him what I was thinking and he was like, yeah, man, you should probably go do that. And I was like, okay, that's weird that he's cool with that. And then like, I told him, right. like, I, <laughs> I, I talked to my pastor. Yeah, you've been paying like, for college. <laughs> right. I was like, college. I'm going to, I'm going go to finish. I'm going to go, go do something I've never done before. And like, I, I like, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm talk, talking to my pastor, looking for him to be like, no, nah, man, you should probably. And he was like, honestly, man, it sounds like a good idea. And then like, I told my mom and my mom was like, yeah, you definitely got to go. And I was like, what's going wow. on here? That's awesome. And so, yeah, yeah. But to be fair, I, I did sell it as I was taking a month off. I was going to do three months. I was like, okay, I'll be in Nashville for three months. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so then honestly, the person that gave me the biggest fight about it was the uh, lady at uh, admissions at UNF. I was like, <laughs> hey, I just, I just want my uh, associates. Can I have my AA? She's like, well, that's going to be $25. And I was like, okay, I, I mean. I didn't know I had to pay for the piece of paper, but sure, whatever. And she goes, you know, you only have a year left to get your bachelor's. And she was like really sour about it. I was like, listen, I hear what you're saying. Just give me my AA. I'm not coming back. I'll see you later. (laughs) She's just looking at you as a dollar sign. She's like, okay. She's like, we're not going to get another year of money from this guy. (laughs) But I didn't even pay for the the piece of paper. I I still don't have my AA because, you know, Uh, 25 (laughs) bucks, like. Come on, dude. That's funny. Somebody should right? pay. Somebody should just buy it for you, like for yeah. Christmas. You know, you just it, it shows up. Uh, you're like, oh, there's my AA. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. But yeah, that's it. And I, I ended up getting up here, and and you know, there's a million ways to kind of enter this industry in Nashville, as I'm sure you're aware. And you know, it was just kind of one of those things that. Like I said, I had some buddies that moved up here before me mm-hmm. and they, you know, uh, showed me around town, got involved with like, you know, the revival at Tin Roof on the Mumbrin and like Rob Snyder and Channing Wilson. And then through that, it was back when Ward, who runs Whiskey Jam, was like one of the main bartenders there. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to meet him and, and then got plugged in with Whiskey Jam and just kind of like got involved to the songwriting community in that way. Um, and man, it was just like the, you know, the circle of people that you work with expands and then you find the, the, the people that want to work with you, you know, longer term and you kind of get partners and all that stuff. And yeah, it's been crazy like <laughs> to see how it, how it evolves, you know, cause this industry, there's like, it's like the wild West. There's really no rules. Sure. The, the people that you knew that were living here, were they also in the music? I mean, did they move here for music as well? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Um, so you had some sort of ground when it came to like, you didn't just show up here with your bags and you're like, okay, well, where do I go? Right. Yeah. So I had like, you know, my buddies were like, yeah, man, you go here. And so it was okay. like, you know, it started off with the, okay, Tuesday night, we go to revival Wednesday night. We go to, uh, what is it? I forgot what it was. Thursday night was threesome Thursdays at uh poor house. Uh, Monday, was whiskey jam. So it was like, literally you worked. And then that night you would try and get on around or go just shake hands. You know, it was just every night kind of doing that whole, 
meet and greet thing. And uh, yeah, man. So you just show up like, I, for somebody listening that doesn't understand what, what I mean. I vaguely under, I get it. I like I understand what you're saying. But like if so you, a writer's round is when you can show up there. Right. And hope that you can get up on stage almost like a, like if you were at a comedy night, like trying to get five minutes. Is that similar to what you what you were doing there? They can be like that. Most of them are, are like already booked, you know? Mm, OK, so it's like you're you get you go there, you shake hands with whoever's, you know, the person that puts it on and really anybody not, not to say like writers rounds in a lot of ways help bars. So it's like, if somebody wants to sign up and be like, Hey, I'm going to go to X bar and I'll put on a writer's round. If you'll, you know, do something. And sometimes they'll cut a deal with like drinks for the the players or whatever. Mm, okay. And it's just like, Hey, you do this. I'm going to try and bring in some more foot traffic. And it starts that way. And sometimes the writer's rounds kind of become their own thing to Got where it. it's like, that's why people show up. So it's like, once you get to know the person or people that put it on, you kind of like, Hey man, I got some songs I want to showcase and you'll get, you know, the opportunity to play three or four songs in a night. Uh, when, if it's a popular round, it's like, you could, you know, you could get 30 or 40 different eyes on it. And it's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty helpful, man. It, it helped me a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. What was the first kind of moment that you were like validating moment? You're like, okay, and this is working. I need to keep, you know, going forward. Well, man, there's like a million little victories, but I think mm -hmm. the thing that, that let me, cause you know, you're, when you're in, when you start your own business and especially in an industry that's so, you know, saturated, right. I don't like using the word competitive because a lot of the people are just like, really, everybody's trying to just trying to help it. You know, it's like, it's not competitive in the sense of like, you're going to steal my fans. It's like, it's just a lot of people. It's saturated, you know? Right. And so no, that's a great it's way like, to put it. When you're in a people here yeah. are like really uplifting for the most part. Right. I mean, trying to help yeah, everyone. That's like rising tide lifts all ships kind of deal. And it's like, I mean, you can run into people that kind of might have that attitude or they might have it for a little while and then come out of it. I mean, it's like, this, this is a journey for everybody, man. But mm -hmm. for me, it's like, I think, um, yeah, I think it was, uh, it was when I got a, a pub deal, when I got my, my first pub deal with Seagale, uh, that kind of gave me the validation of, okay, first of all, I actually have a time frame on contract that I'm going to get to work with these people as long as they, you know, if they want to work with me through these different sections of time, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm going to get a, a paycheck, you know what I mean? Um, and it was like, that was the first time where it was like, okay, I'm not, uh, I don't have to solely do landscape work or delivery work or whatever, bouncing, whatever I was doing, you know, anything you can do and it can't, you can't really get a good job, you know? I mean, not to say that. Yeah. I mean, no, there are a lot of market jobs. You can't really get a really good job that pays really well because you can't commit to it. Right. Right. Cause if you get a show, Hey man, I gotta be gone this weekend. I'm playing you know, in, in Arkansas and Texas, I'll be gone from Thursday to Sunday. And they're like, well, you're, you know, on schedule. You're like, well, I'm gone. And so, right. You can't, all, really you can't be all in right. Like yeah, on these, yeah. on the other gigs, if you want to go all in with the music thing. Right. And, but I mean, it's, it's that town. So, I mean, people get it. It's just one of those things where, you know, you can't necessarily keep a steady job if you're not steady. So I think <laughs> right. for me, it was, it was cool to get that, you know, I know it's not about money at all, but it's a, money's a tool and it allows you to do this for longer. And so like when I had something that was coming directly from the music that I was getting to create, that mm -hmm. was like, okay, so the, this business is actually starting to feed itself a little bit. And it was, mm -hmm. it was really cool. I mean, that was a huge point for me. 
And were you able to write with some pretty cool people out of that? Or like what oh, was man. the first kind of like, whoa, like I'm so glad I, you know, not only is, am I getting a check, which is not to say that that's the most important thing, but obviously, like you said, you gotta have a roof over your head. You gotta have food in your mouth or you're not going to be able to make it. But like, right. was there a, a moment there? You're like, oh, I get to help write this song or I get to help write a song that's going to be pitched to X, Y, or Z. Or was that yeah. like, what was, what would you say that moment was? Man, I think, um, I, for me, it was like when I got in with that crew, because like, I really kind of, and I still am a student of songwriting. So like, I, I love getting to pick people's brains that like have experience and confidence and, and, and that are like, you know, tried and true songwriters, you know, like the, the people that have been here for 30 years and have been able to do it for 30 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So like Chris Dubois, one of the owners of Seagale, uh, when I got to write with him, like when it was kind of like in that early phases of all that, I was like, this guy's got 20 something number ones. This guy, obviously mm-hmm. he's got something figured out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like writing a lot of the songs that I grew up listening to in country music, you know what I mean? A lot of that Brad Paisley stuff, a lot of those other ones, Josh Turner, stuff like that. And it's just like, when you get to sit in those rooms, <clears throat> I, uh, I was thankful that I kind of did have the mindset of being like, obviously do and work as hard as you can to be a, a you know, contributor to the song, but also like ears open, like these guys, like you just got front row seats to this, like, you know, doctorate level class in songwriting, you're doing it. So it was like one of those things to where it was like kind of surreal, but you still had to keep your wits about you to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to just come in open, completely open-minded and mm-hmm. to like recognize that these people have a skill set that I really want to kind of chisel out for myself. And like, that was a big deal for me. And, and I mean, to this day, like anytime I get in a room with accomplished songwriters and even like brand new songwriters, like I, I now kind of have that uh, comfortability to, to kind of even pick out like skill sets that new, new writers have that I'm like, that's great. Like, that's mm-hmm. really good. Like, I, I want to do that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's that, that, that was kind of where that all started, you know? Mm-hmm. Not only do you yeah, get to work with certain people, but you, can absorb what they're doing and, you know, kind of build your own skill set while working really. Right. Yeah. And you learn how to learn too. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's like when you, when you see people doing it right and you learn the way to do it, that's see, dude, Nashville is such a cool place because it's like, I personally think the best songwriters in the world live in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I think the Nashville way of writing songs is one of the best ways to get, good at songwriting you know what i mean it's very structured i completely agree yeah very structured it's got a way of doing it and depending on how like the commercial like center center of commercial commerciality is it changes a little bit but it definitely has the the like the system of like right 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 and it's like there's no better way to get good at songwriting because then you've got the rule of learn the rules to break them learn the rules to you know carve your own path and that takes you know getting to know yourself and, and just kind of putting the reps in. So it was like, for me, that was like, that was a, that was a huge deal to like actually learn. This is right. This person has done this right. I'm going to assume this is like true North and then mm-hmm. kind of find your own path after that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're working with a publisher and have a pub deal, are you still writing? Like a lot of the times are you, you're writing to kind of help other writers, right? Is that kind of part of part of the deal? Or writing songs to pitch to other artists. Like, are you also writing songs of your own and continuing to try to pursue like a solo career at that point? Or is that like 
frowned upon? Like, I don't know how that works in the industry. I think a lot of ways it just depends on what your, the intentions are at the beginning of the deal. I was blessed because like Seagale was always like very much a family style kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they were always just really generous with time and advice and just like creatively being like very accommodating to like, for me, obviously. So my deal, my actual contract was involved in my artistry. So me being an artist was kind of assumed and was kind of, it was one of the main points of, of the deal as well, as much as writing songs for other people. So, and you're kind of in this spot to where you do all of it. I mean, if you're writing four or five songs a week, I mean, you can kind of cover as much ground as you want, you know what I mean? And so as long as you have a team that's, you know, supportive of what you're doing and you're, you're able to like, like everybody understands what the intention is. I think for me, that was just a big deal that everybody was like on board to where it, mm-hmm. it, it's never felt like there was a pushback to where it was like, Hey, I'm doing this for me. Hey, I'm doing this for me. But like on this side of the genre, or this side of the genre or whatever, Hey, this is a pitch for X or this is uh, can we try and put this on commercials or sync or whatever? And it's like, they were always willing to kind of chase my attention deficit or whatever. Sure. So yeah. That, it's, it's, it's per, it's per deal. You know what I mean? It's, it depends on who you work with. Cause like I said, there are no rules. I, I just feel like in my situation, I was given some pretty good training wheels. Cause these guys were like, gave me all the tools to like learn, but also mm-hmm. uh, definitely got behind me and what I was getting to create. Mm-hmm. And then 2018, you got a chance to what do a tour. Is that what I read? Like uh, uh, you were what so, selling merch or something. And yeah. Yeah. So Muscadine, about that. Yeah. Muscadine Bloodline, uh, they're an awesome uh, band around town, like independent, killing it country band. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet them through a man, my manager at the time, who was their manager. And I was on the road drumming because when I got to town, I initially, because that's what I knew how to do. I got on the road with a buddy and we were just kind of road dogging it. So this places. is pre-writing songs and everything or? No, when I got to town, I was, I was right. I was right when I got to town, but I didn't have like, I wasn't selling that. I wasn't like, Hey guys, I'm a, I'm a songwriter. It was like, I've been drumming for 10, 12 years, however long I've been drumming for. So this is pre pub deal. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, but I'm curious because I think this is a cool story. Well, so yeah, so I'm in town. I get six months (laughs) in, I get on the road with Joe Fortner, me and and one of my buddies I grew up with that I was living with. We all like, formed a band around this dude and we just like got in his Ford Explorer and got a U-Haul and just ran all over the place in the Southeast and kind of learned what to do and what not to do. And I was like, man, I, I didn't come here to be a drummer. I, I, I want to be a songwriter and an artist. And so I got in touch with, you know, Gary and Charlie from Muscadine mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, man, if you want to, you know, if you can sell some t-shirts and drive a sprinter van, we'll, uh, you know, keep that opening slot for you. And they, I basically got exclusive opening for them for like two years. So That's we ran huge. all, oh man, it was massive because they were bringing in crowds. Even then they were bringing in crowds in some of their like core fan areas. Like, like you're looking at 700, 800 people. Mm-hmm. Like that's huge. Like who does that? And they don't been in town for like a year or two or whatever. And so like, I got to do that and, and really like, you know, toss, toss in the fire. Cause I'd never done that before. I'd never played 40 minute, 45 minute sets and played my own music for like actually like paying customers. And so like, I got to learn about all that stuff. And then as time went by, I ended up 
that's when in 2018, I'd gotten that deal with, with Seagale. And okay. then I also transitioned out of being the merch guy, but we were always good friends. And so they were like, Hey man, follow us around during this tour. And so I got this truck bed, this camper that I put in the back of this truck actually. And just, you know, ran as far North as, you know, Buffalo, New York, as far South as Pensacola. Actually, I think we went down to Tampa and then as far West as Wichita Falls, Texas. Drove every bit of it, you know, slept in, slept in the truck and kind of wow. learned, learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Learned the road. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I learned, I learned a lot. I learned that, uh, if you want to, you can save a lot of money if you have a, pl- a planet fitness black card. <laughs> That's a 20 bucks advice. a month, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Get a shower in. <laughs> oh yeah. Get a workout in, brush get your a workout. Tea, shower, hop in the truck, go to bed, the road later. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So 2020 hits and how does obviously it affected everyone, but like in your sense, what, like, did that allow for more time to write? I mean, you had a big song last year that I don't want to get mm-hmm. to, but like, so yeah. You are what writing, and then where were you when 2020 happens? And 2020 rough, the, <laughs> I mean, the day, yeah, tornado, and then and then the, the world ended, and then uh, the bomb, and like, yeah, I was bad, it was insane, man. Like, I uh, so I was bouncing at Tin Roof, uh, checking IDs the day before the shutdown. Oh, wow, you know, the remember the flatten the curve two week thing? Oh, yeah, I never and, flattened uh, it. No, not quite. Um, <laughs> it's still a little bumpy. Yeah, it's still a little bumpy on the road. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it was yeah, it was scary, man. I was like, I was in a position to where, like, right, right before, actually, right, yeah, right when that happened, uh, we found out that my wife was pregnant. Wow! And it was at the end. It was like towards the end of my de- my first deal with Seagull, which was a four year deal, mm-hmm. and. Or no, it was a three-year deal. Sorry. It was the end of my, the three-year deal with them. And it was just one of those times where it was like, nobody knows what's happening. The songs, nobody's playing. Nobody's putting out music really at the beginning. Nobody knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it turned into like, you know, everybody started putting out music, but at the beginning we were like, okay, is anyone even cutting? Like, what are we doing? Are we writing? Mm -hmm. And we were all just kind of like in limbo, but we just kept writing. I got on, we, we got on zoom and me and some buddies just like, started hashing it out and trying to get some songs written and ended up getting my first major label cut off the, I think it was the second zoom song I ever wrote. It was that better than me song that uh, Riley green cut and had Randy Owen sing on. Wow. And yeah, it was about what was going on. It was like, it was kind of, it was really cathartic and it was validating as, as dark as that time was and scary as that time was, it was really validating. Because that was the moment to where like the conversation was, do you still write if there is no incentives? Mm-hmm. Can we do that? We're commercial writers. Do you write if nobody, if you know, no one's going to cut it. And the mm-hmm. answer was yes. And it, and it was very, very therapeutic. It just so happened that it, the opposite happened. We ended up getting a cut off of it. And, and that was really cool. Uh, but it did kind of turn into a thing to where I was like, man, the deal's almost up. I, I might have to move back to, you know, Jacksonville. Like I'm, you know, you, you, you're making money, but you're not necessarily making the money, making enough money to, to raise a family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it just turned into kind of me figuring out how to do that. And then just be like, well, if I am going to leave, I, I might as well start writing stuff, like true stories, telling my, my story. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, I'm a dad, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to have a son. Uh, 
and he like, you know, my dad passed when I was young and, you know, you just mm-hmm. kind of start having these thoughts of like, you know, what if something like that happens to me and like all that stuff and it's dark, but you know, you can't not think that way. And sure. I was like, man, I'm, I'm still chasing down info about my dad. I'm 28 now, 27 at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I, I'm going to see if I can create something just if, if my son goes, Hey dad, say I don't pass, but Hey dad, why was I born in Nashville? I go, here you go, bud. It's a journal. Here you go. Basically this it's, song. it's a song. Yeah. I love and, that. and it just turned into like weird, like at the end of it being like, man, this is tough. Maybe this is it. See you in Nashville. It was a blast. And Maverick was born and I, we're doing nothing, changing diapers and not sleeping. And I'm doing nothing for my career. And I get a, I get a, <laughs> it's hard, man. I got two kids. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I get, I, but I get this message from, uh, from JR, JR from the, the highway. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey man, this song that you posted on Instagram, uh, which is rather be broke. He goes, this song's really sick. He goes, do you have a demo? I sent him the demo. And then he goes, you got management. You got, you got, do you have a record deal? Any of that stuff? I was like, no, he goes, you care if I send it around sends it around at that time michael bryan the guy who runs apple he's been like a huge like friend of mine uh for the past few years and has done a lot he's talking with the guys that are uh that run triple tigers you know what i mean and that whole thing kind of just like within a month of that dm i had a a management deal a new pub deal and a record deal whoa it was insane absolutely insane that is so wow what about like i mean that's crazy that's right when you think that you're gonna have to pack up and leave all Mm -hmm. these things land in your i mean what a that's huge that is so huge yeah man it was a blessing it was it was like and then like my mother-in-law actually brought it up she was like hey didn't because my initial thing like when i told my wife i was like hey give me five years here if there's no reason to stay at the end of five years we can leave you don't hear people about it for me Mm-hmm. And March 16th, I think, or March 12th, March, one of those was my five year. And I signed that record deal like two weeks prior. And I didn't even think about it because all that stuff was going on. But mm-hmm. it was like, you want to talk about perfect timing. It was like, I gave myself, you know, it was five years. And then it was like two weeks before that. And then it all kind of came back around. I mean, it all worked yeah. to keep you here. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Wow. And then those songs mm-hmm. made it onto the, the EP true stories. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that record's out now and tell me about, you know, putting out your first body of work and now you have a label, like that must've been a pretty validating moment as well. That was huge, man. That was huge. Like, uh, I, I got to work with a couple of different people on the EP rather be broke. Um, I wrote with Stephen Carey and Ian Christian. And those are two dudes from Jacksonville too. Like I didn't even know them until I moved to town and we wrote that song. And so that was kind of a cool full circle moment. And, and we, and we got to record it with Jonathan Singleton and Austin Niverell. Um, and like, it just came out great. And then the other three songs on true stories was with Dave Cobb, um, which was just an incredible experience as well. And it was just like really, really cathartic. Cause that like, when you're approaching something that is so close to the chest, it is all autobiographical. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, like uh, we've got a lot of songs that are in, like, I love some really, really great songs that just weren't true enough. They weren't, they weren't literal enough for me to say, this is an autobiography. This is, this has got to be so true that like, 
you go, are we really going there? And you go, yeah, we're going there. So it's like, like if we're, if we're doing that, it's like, you're in this position to where it's like, how do you approach that and put that much heart into something that's like you, you know what I mean? How do you do that? So it's like getting to do that with people that I, you know, I, I, I had good relationships and like really good friends, we really good friends with was like really helpful in that. And then when I went in to work with Cobb on it, with, with Dave Cobb on it, he doesn't do pre-production, which is like, you know, flushing out the songs before you go in to record. He's like really mm-hmm. spontaneous with that stuff. You go in, he hears a song day of, and you kind of figure it out from there. And is I started to, being like, it, sorry, is that to kind of make sure that you catch any bit of in- inspiration that might've come through instead of like kind of hashing too much of it out before you get in there? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what that is. It was, I was, it was, it was, it was definitely like foreign to me. So I was like, you know, like taking notes the whole time. Uh, and so, but it was like, I think that's, that's what that is because you just see it kind of like, it's like, once you hit, like, cause he'll be like, Hey man, don't show me anything unless we're going to, we're going, we're going to do it oh, because it's wow. like, once I start, he goes, once I start, I'm not going to stop. So it's like, show me what we're recording today. And then we're going to hit it. And but like within 45 minutes, you're recording the, you know, the <laughs> final thing, you know, it's kind of crazy. So I was like, so what do we do? What do I do to get ready for this? He goes, go back home. He goes, go back home and go, go see your family and go surf and go eat good food and bring that back. And I was like, that. go back home to Florida. Yeah. He goes, go Got back it. home okay. for a little bit, bring it back here. And I was like, dang, man, <laughs> it's my favorite homework assignment I've ever got. Yeah. Man. Go home and have fun with your family. Oh, yeah, okay. Go enjoy Twist my yourself. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, it was, that, that's been crazy. Like, and we've got a full album coming, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to talk about. But yeah, mm-hmm. man, without saying too many words, which I'm obviously real good at, I uh, that that's that's kind of been this whole experience with this album. Wow. So is uh, with True Stories, I mean, hence the title, but are, are those just a bit of your autobiographical or autobiography and what this new record like the full length is going to be more, like more of that or like t- kind of walk me through this it's going to be straight out of my life it is going to be the most literal body of work anyone's ever heard <laughs> like front to back like is it yes. is it like yes. you know yeah okay it's it's not necessarily going to be chronological um, okay. but it will definitely be like it'll be like if you found a box of vhs's underneath my mom's bed and put them in the tv like it's gonna be like Whoa. home video stuff yeah yeah it's like super super literal and from in your i mean i'm, I'm ner- you're nervous about first of all if they don't like it it's bigger than just being like hey i didn't like that melody it's like it's me <laughs> you know right so right. that's scary right mm-hmm. um but then the other part of it is like yeah i mean it's yeah, it's just it's getting to set getting to tell that story is just like a, a really a really big deal because you see that there are people who can inject like if you hear a story and you, and, and sometimes when you're writing so much you forget to be a consumer but like me as a consumer like if I hear something I'll inject myself into the story even if it, if it's somebody's full truth that makes it a lot easier because it is true and I think humans can sniff that out so if you've got a true story that is about a firebird a 1969 Pontiac firebird that's black convertible with a Muncie four-speed manual transmission and a 400 big block <laughs> if you're saying that and somebody texts you or somebody messages you and like somebody comments on the video and they go yo man like this song is about my grandpa's jeep to me uh-huh. and it's like 
didn't see that coming, but it's like, you realize that within that humanity, people relate. It's like, they, they can't, they, they can't not, you know what I mean? So that's like, that was one of the most surprising aspects about even putting the EP out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, the autobiography is just going to be the full thing. It's going to be 10 songs. Yeah. Wow. And was it, did you start writing uh, true stories before, or I mean, after you had gone home? And was that like the, the homework assignment or was the homework assignment before this new batch of songs, which is going to be the full album? So all these songs have been written. Um, there's no like time frame of like, hey, they, they've all been written within the last year and a half. Okay. You just and chose it was just, these five mm-hmm. for this, or I mean four for this piece. And then these other ones will make it onto the record. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, uh, the the album's gonna have three of those four on it of the four on the ep on it and then it's gonna have seven seven more so um yeah man it it was just a matter of just deciding because we already kind of had the the collection figured out and what we mm-hmm. were recording and we're, we're still actually going to finish the last couple songs recording within the next month or so but um yeah it was like we had that figured out and then it was a matter of figuring out how do you give a wide enough taste a broad enough taste to where you go storyline and stylistically, how do you give people kind of an appetizer? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Without, you know, without, you know, putting two songs in there that are similar, you know, spoiling their dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the deal. And it was just like, I think it kind of came out naturally that way. So, yeah. Wow. Did, what did you go when you went home and, and, you know, spent that time with your family, what were you doing a lot of like homework or like looking at old photos or was it just kind of absorbing that being there and then going home and writing about it? And we went, I just went back and we, we burned a bonfire and we ate some food at grandma's and then we, you know, we went surfing, you know, and just kind of got to decompress. And, and I think part of that too was, reconnecting with, you know, the guy that moved to Nashville because the guy that moved to Nashville kind of had to take a back seat because I had to go learn how to write songs, mm-hmm. you know? And when you're learning that you don't really, you know, when you're trying to learn how to write commercial music, you're just like, what's good. We're writing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, what are people into? We're writing that. You know what I mean? Just to learn how to do it. You know what I mean? So it's like, you kind of look, lose touch with your own like you know consumer preference so for Mm -hmm. me it was kind of like being like what music do i want to hear right now what music do i want to hear not what music is technically like contemporary because it's like that's two different ways to approach it neither which are wrong but i'm like if i'm putting my name on something this is an autobiography and i want to know how these songs are going to sound you know I kind of have to figure out what I like to listen to in the first place. Cause it's been a few years since I really bothered to even think about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was that, um, I mean, you get back and you kind of, was it, or like emotions flowing through you when you got back, you're like, okay, you were able to obviously find that person. And was that like a difficult task or, or was, did it kind of just come naturally because you had time to kind of decompress and reflect? Yeah. I think he came back. Pretty, pretty, pretty easily. And I, but I also had a lot of other things that were kind of putting me back in that space too. Like having a son, I mean, you, you having kids, it's like, mm-hmm. it's not a matter. I think the, one of the biggest things about having a child is like your whole life, you know, it's not all about you. Right. 
Like, yeah. hey, it's not all about you. The world doesn't revolve around you. And then when you get married and you kind of learn like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't all revolve around me. Like, because you have to kind of accommodate another person, but they're an adult that lives their own life. So you're not responsible for them. Then you have mm-hmm. a child and the child is fully and wholly responsible or you're wholly re- responsible for this child. Mm-hmm. And then you actually have to live the fact that this world doesn't revolve around you. There's bigger things and more important things and allowing, and, and that happening kind of put me into like, that proper headspace and like kind of reprioritizing things to where it was less about the, you know, the rat race of trying to get somebody else to cut your music because it is, it's hard, man. It's like the industry is saturated, like I said. So it's like getting out of that place to be like, let's see which ones are right. Which songs are we going to go with and how is it going to feel? And like to be able to do that just required a little bit of detaching, like a little bit, you know, just a little, little hands off, little back off for a second, kind of get a bigger, bigger perspective, you know? Amazing. Well, I, I can't wait to hear the, the, the other songs that you have that are going to be on this record. I, what you have released so far is amazing. And I appreciate Thanks. you taking time to, to do this away from your family. I mean, you're in your car, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but I, again, I thank you so much, Jordan. This has been great. Uh, I do have one more question. I want to know if you have advice for aspiring artists. Absolutely. Um, I think right now I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in this headspace of like making sure that you, uh, if you're, if you, if it's, if you're an artist and you aren't writing your own music, that you, uh, find music to record that you feel like you listen to and, and really give no other thought to it. Uh, and then if you're a writer, do the same thing, except about the way you approach your music. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to write music, only be concerned about whether or not you like it, because I think it's always a shot in the dark, but you have a higher chance of hitting a target that you set up than hitting someone else's that you don't know where it is. So I think it's important to make sure that you're very in tune with the music that you like, that kind of touches that intangible thing that you just go, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, I just love this music and that's why I'm playing.